Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, an Espionation blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. I am William Chase, joined today by Elaine Shercliffe and Rachel Buells. The NHL is apparently progressing. The voluntary workouts are starting across the league this week. Uh, Brian Hedger had a tweet earlier saying that there's about, I think, nine players in the Blue Jackets that will be participating, not from any other countries, but... Seth Jones, Gustav Nyquist, Riley Nash, Oliver Bjorkstrand, Scott Harrington, Elvis Merslickens, Matisse Kivlenix, Andrew Peake, and Liam Foody are the nine that he mentioned. So basically, players can skate in groups of six in this, what they're calling, of course, phase two. Uh, you know, there's also instructions based on, you know, safety of players, including masks and temperature checks, things like that. So obviously, it's good news that we're starting to get players on the ice now. Any thoughts so far about that from either of you guys? I'm glad that there's not more players that have, like, made the trek in. And just because, like, if they do end up canceling it, they, like, made the trip for nothing, like, if something were to happen. So, um, and I think a lot of the families are probably just going to wait and see how things go because it's kind of hard to isolate yourself when you have a family with like a bajillion kids like Felino has. Um, but I mean, it's kind of exciting to see it happening. I am curious to see how, uh, who Elvis is going to work with. Cause didn't they say, uh, goalies can't work with the goalie coach yet. They have to have their own goalie coach. So then I wonder if like they can circumvent that and use Brad Thiessen since he's technically not part of the jackets. But he knows the system. Very true. Um, yeah, I'm really excited to see, I mean, anything happening in the world of sports right now is big news, obviously. Um, so it's cool that they're moving along. Nothing's gone wrong yet. I don't say that. I don't want to jinx it. Knock on wood. Um, but I, uh, yeah, it's exciting. And I, I guess my biggest next question that's going to be, Answered, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks is just how the international players are going to get into town safely. And upon getting here, do they just get tested right away? Or do, do they, they don't have to do any kind of quarantine if they get tested and test negative, right? I mean, 
Um, I, I just think that the international travel that is not necessarily unique to the NHL, but it is such a huge part of um, getting all the teams team players back together in the NHL. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out and see if that goes off without a hitch. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I don't know what the protocol would be, but I wonder if whoever comes over here, I mean, obviously they get tested right away, like probably right off the plane, probably even inside the airport, right? But um, I don't know if like, not that they would go into quarantine, but I wonder if they are kind of, I don't know, coming over here somewhat in advance so that obviously they can uh, isolate in a sense. And I don't know, like there's, there's just so many, like you said, unknowns as far as, I mean, there's enough unknowns as it is just for the people already over here. And then you're worrying about people coming from other countries and they're flying and dealing with all kinds of stuff. So my only thing, too, is like, so they test them when they get on the ground. Well, if they test them once they land, do they test them again once they get to their final destination? Or like, how would that work? Because if, you know, you could easily pick something up traveling from new york to columbus or any yeah. of those i mean yeah it's any, any any yeah all kinds of travel it's it's iffy for sure especially in a cross country and then you know outside of the well and so i would love to know more about the frequency with which they're planning to test them and then just so based on my personal experience i got tested for the um coronavirus last sunday because i had been among crowds in the protests in columbus um, and it took them just a little less than 72 hours to get my test results to me. So it's like, and I assume that they would expedite in the case of professional athletes, but still, you know, if someone tests positive, but the, they don't, you know, the test results aren't instantaneous and then it's like, and then they're going to these six person trainings. So it's like, oh my God, I just could see how it, you know, could kind of catch like wildfire if they're not constantly testing the players or keeping them so isolated that there's no room for, you know, accidental contamination. So I can't remember what I was listening to earlier. I don't know what it was. I think it was today. Uh, I think somebody was tested and they knew the next, the next day what the results were. And I just remember thinking, well, at least they've come further with that because I think it before it was like, you got tested and you had to wait forever, but I don't even mm-hmm. remember what that, who, who that was, but yeah. I know that healthcare workers in some hospitals can, they do same day testing and can get same day results. Um, I don't, I just don't know if that's what they're applying to, if the professional athletes, um, you know, qualify for that level of expedited testing, because I believe the, um, I know, for example, the, the urgent care that I went to, they had to send my sample away to like a different lab to get the test done. So I don't know how they would, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm getting like really granular with all this, but I just like want to know exactly how they're going to make sure that, especially just with the levels of international travel, that's going to be involved with getting the NHL started back up. So, and just travel in general. No, I totally get that too. And I also want to know more about how their visas are working because you know visas are not actually fluid (laughs) right and it it takes um, a lot of work and a lot of paperwork to extend your visa but are they going to extend it for the whole duration of what could possibly be the season um, it, it, like they have to have an end date. They can't really just go to 
the U.S. government and be like, hey, uh, we don't really have an end date for this. Yeah, we're so here they, indefinitely. It, yeah, Right, like, are they going to keep extending it? And then, as far as I know, I thought there were some countries where you had to be home for at least, like, so many months in between your next visa. Um, I don't know what countries for sure those are, but... Good question. You know, I know every everything's different with that across the world. So I'm, I personally am just wondering how all that works because there are so many people from so many different countries, and I know a lot of people didn't end up going home. So that could also be um, make it easier for them with visas and testing. But, yeah, there's so many parts pieces and parts and people are like let's hurry this up and it's like i don't think anyone understands the amount of paperwork and work that's going to go into this um because then like what happens if a player gets sick during this phase and they go home and they bring it to their families are they testing their families too during this time like how is that working right or if their families are you know the ones who you know through outside contact are they going to potentially risk getting a player sick like it definitely works both it could go both ways which just leaves more opportunity for not knowing like what's going to happen so i feel like like with baseball i feel like i think with baseball everybody would kind of be like in their quote unquote little bubble and i feel like in hockey and probably other sports same thing i don't know that they would be around their families but i don't know like even if this is a hub i don't know that they would be able to go home i think they'd probably have to stay in a hotel or something right Right, they already said that part. But, like, in this time now, like, in the phases leading up to... Yeah, yeah. 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 In the phases leading up to it. Because with with the bigger phase, everyone is going to be, like, in the same hotel, I think. And, you know, it's going to eliminate a lot. Jeff Saboda had an article recently about, you know, the Blue Jackets players... You know, the team should be healthy, which is what we kind of already, I think, figured because of the injury timelines and when the games will actually happen. And Josh Anderson maybe potentially could be among that. But, I mean, I already think it's a wide-open playoff format or play-in. Play-in for the Blue Jackets and then playoffs for everybody else going forward because of the unknown of the layoff and everything. But it only helps for the Blue Jackets to be almost 100% healthy and if everybody can play, if Elvis and Jonas can, uh, you know, if they're whoever's starting in net, if they can kind of keep on from what they were doing months ago and the players can consistently come together, who knows? It'd be funny if Columbus was able to pull off like a miracle run. Right. That would be great. Well, and then even like in depth wise, there are players uh, who got hurt who were up with Columbus who are monsters who could arguably be like black aces that can sit like one of them obviously Nathan Gerby when I talked to him a few weeks ago for an article that I'm working on he I asked him I said you know are you worried about not being a black ace or I mean like are you worried that you won't get to play even if they have you on the roster and he made a good point about how he's not worried about that because it's a team sport and he understands that you know getting benched happens or sitting in the press box happens, and that there's a lot you can learn just from watching a team win when you're on that team and practicing with them. So just having a guy's mindset like that with other guys that might be getting sat who might feel crummy about getting sat uh, makes me feel a lot better about where the jackets could go during this little 
um, pre-playoff and playoff run because they will definitely probably have the right attitudes going into it. Shifting focus to the next topic. So Mark Scheig, I think I'm saying your name right, Mark. I know you're listening. Uh, had a piece for the hockey writers on the 4th highlighting a, a lot about Nick Foligno and it's his initiative that he's running called Hearts Playbook. And the article was called Nick Foligno's New Family-Friendly Initiative, the Hearts Playbook. As Shai kind of highlighted in the article, um, which I'm also going to link in the show notes and uh, link inst- uh, the, the Instagram post by Felino that Mark references, but Felino created the Hearts Playbook to bring together a platform to share you know, his life's work and kind of how they navigate the different obstacles. They reference uh, his kids, their you know, different ailments and, and medical issues and things like that. Um, and the, the overall point, I think, was, in addition to the, the initiative, was with social media in general. Um, obviously, you know, Felino mentions this, how he's kind of, I think, you know, he, he kind of has to caution himself, I think, with social media, as probably a lot of celebrities and big-time athletes do, because everything that gets out there, you know, you could put something out there that could be, you know, in their mind, innocent, and it, who knows, anything could happen with social media. It can be, we all know how crazy social media can be anyway. Um, so it just kind of brought to mind, uh, when it comes to social media, the fears that are kind of associated with it. What, did, you, did you guys have any kind of specific thoughts, I guess, when it comes to, in this day and age, and anything that you put out there on the internet, you know, can be screenshotted, saved, and, you know, even if it's an innocent, harmless thing, it's like anything could be almost uh turned against you it seems like well i think the perfect example of this will lies in the mlb and i am not a base i am not a baseball buff like i know you are so maybe you could provide details where i'm forgetting them but what was that picture it might have been for the reds and he was literally on the mound pitching and someone dug up some of his old tweets that like had rate do you know what i'm talking about um i I, there was a couple instances of this. I don't know if it was the Reds. I know for sure that happened in the All-Star game with Josh Hader when there was like, he was like 14 when he made, you know, some ill-advised tweets or posts. And uh, yeah, they dug him up. And the same thing happened in, I think, a Braves game. The guy was throwing a no-hitter. I can't even remember who the pitcher was. He was throwing like a no-hitter, didn't get the no-hitter. And then 30 minutes after the game, these old, like, when he was like a kid, these stupid, you know, like, we all make stupid mistakes, obviously. And I'm not going to, like, condone anything that was done then. But um, it's almost like, you know, who is finding these things? And yeah, you're right. It's like, you could put something stupid out there when you're a kid and it could come back against you later. Yeah. I mean, yeah, anyone, I remember, yeah, yeah. You, but you know what? Yeah. It was a scary. Cause I mean, exactly. it, it wasn't scary. I mean, here's, here's the bottom line. Don't be racist. Don't be sexist. Mm-hmm. Don't be, you know what I mean? Don't say, especially yeah. if you are those things, don't make those statements online. Um, yeah. so the, yeah. it, again, I, I understand that none of us are condoning that, that these things were said in the first place. Like that's not appropriate, but obviously when you are, um, a public figure like Nick Felino or like any other professional athlete, um, and especially when you have people who don't like you or your team, you know, are not Columbus Blue Jackets fans. It's like, there's all the motivation that you would need to go into Twitter advanced search and search a couple keywords and maybe dig something up that you, you know, if you were just like a normal private civilian, uh, you wouldn't have ever had dug up. So yeah, it is, it's definitely scary. It's definitely a threat. Like I said, you can just totally avoid this happening by not being 
um, a problematic <laughs> person who makes statements that are uh, hateful towards anyone else. But um, if you know, if you did something and said something, used language that is no longer con- considered appropriate, but was maybe uh, not so much so ten years ago, uh, that stuff can all still be dug up on social media. So you just have to be really careful. Um, and I, I understand his trepidation, uh, Nick Felino's, you know, fear almost, I think he said he was scared of it or it was, you know, he was nervous to use it because I think that there is a lot of, uh, risk and responsibility that comes with being a public figure on social media. Yeah. Like that's, um, I think also it leads for people to fit a person to their own narrative. Like how often do we not realize that a person has actually changed and their actions, their actions have shown that they've changed, but a person wants the clicks or wants the clout or just wants to bring this person down because they're in the news right now. And they go back to when they're like 12, 13, 14, 15. Even when you're like 21, people are freaking idiots. Like, <laughs> and they might, and also like sometimes people don't even, realize that they're they're being racist because that's all they've been around and so they're like well this is fine to say and then no one says anything to them because that's all who their followers are so not they're not going to say anything to them and then like 10 15 years down the road they have a whole different fan base a whole different base of people following them and they're like hey this is bad um or somewhere down the line, they, like, started to change because they're like, oh, that was bad. Like, right. I change. And there's such, like, this, I feel like people want, many people want to keep an athlete as, like, the same person throughout their whole entire career. They don't want to acknowledge if they've changed for the better or even for the worse. Like, it. It's just like, this is what they were when they came in, and this is what they'll always be. Mm-hmm. And you can see it in the way some people write articles, and you're like, did you research? <laughs> did you get yeah. to know the person before you started to trash them or even give them praise they don't deserve? Like, either it's both sides. Like, it, it's crazy. And then the other thing is, too, is like Felino said, it's all or nothing on the Internet. And people want all of you. Yeah. Once you give a little bit. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've seen fans from, like, either Monsters fans or Jackets fans. And they're like, oh, they just posted a picture here. And then they become, like, a detective. They figure out where they're located. Yeah. And then they Ugh. will bother them at dinner and stuff. So it, <laughs> I know someone <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> right. Yeah. So... If you're an athlete or even, like, I mean, like, I always tell anyone in general, just be careful what you're posting. Make sure you're in a safe space or you're around people when you do that. Don't post your address or, like, don't give main signifiers of where you live <laughs> because there are people out there who will just take it. And especially in Nick Felino's case when he has such young children. It's not like he's this right. island. Like, he has to be aware of... Um, of the safety of his family too. So not that other guys don't, but to a lesser degree, if they don't have, I think just probably shielding your children from all that stuff is probably your main priority. I, I don't really, I, I'm, I'm not a parent myself. Um, 
besides to some cats some foster cats yeah but right i would want to shield them with my life so i can only imagine i can only imagine what it would be like to have human children so right and i respect the parents who don't so much like there are um parents who don't show their kids faces mm-hmm. on their instagrams and everything because when you hit a certain age um, you know, they're at school or they're out and about and then people will come up to them. Yeah. Like people will, it, so there are weird. people who have no boundaries. Right. And so, right. you know, I, I don't blame athletes for not even having social media. Yeah, me too. I totally get it. Um, yep, for sure. For sure. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. I just have been kind of underwhelmed by the NHL's response to all of the um, current, uh, the, you know, cultural, social unrest that's happening in our country right now. And I I think especially um, with the kind of, it's kind of a known, what is it, what is it called? Like a known secret almost, or like an industry knowledge that like the NHL has lots and lots and lots of instances of racism against even its own players. Um, So I guess I just, I have been disappointed that the NHL hasn't taken a stronger stance. However, there was the diversity in hockey committee that was started as I, I don't know if that's the right title for it. So that was cool to see today, but I am disappointed as well just because I've seen racism full front at some of these games with at least fans. Not, I mean, actually, yeah, I mean, like, Monsters fans, I haven't seen it from the Monsters fans, actually, like, um, but I also don't see every fan, so I can't, you know, have an unbiased opinion on that, I guess, or a more rounded factual on that. But um, sometimes visiting teams come in and and sometimes visiting players say things to people that are inappropriate, not just like racially, but also just in general. And um, 
very disrespectful things that are extremely off limits. Like there's a level of ribbing in hockey. Like there's a level of chirping that's just part of being in hockey. But then there's like the line you don't cross and some people really hop over it and then it boils over and then a really bad fight happens or a really bad hit happens because somebody's already has their adrenaline up from playing a game and then someone says those things and they're like, why would you say that? And then they just kind of, you know, explode. And the fact that there aren't more rules in the rule book that really allow a ref to be like, you can't say that. Like really clear cut, not this gray stuff where it's like, oh, that was unsportsmanlike. No, we need a list of words and types of speech that cannot be said on the ice. And and the NHL coming... It's a workplace. Yeah. It's, a, it's literally a workplace. I mean, in a very weird sense of the word, but these players are being paid to be there. And that if it's considered hate speech, then, uh, yeah, there should be um, repercussions outside of unsportsmanlike conduct. I totally agree with that. That's a really smart exactly. point, Elaine. And, and also, it's like... Um, the NHL puts this thing out and saying that they want to be better, but everyone's telling them ways they can be better and they still haven't put it forward. And then players made their own. I think committee. for me, it's right. like, right. Um, Go ahead, Will. Sort of thing, like what's, uh, what's happened obviously over the last few weeks, obviously everybody's going to make their statement, which you expect because if they don't make a statement, it's like, well, why didn't they say anything? But at the same time, it's like, well, the words are nice, but it's really going to come down to the actions they take Totally, with the NHL in particular, you can totally be like underwhelmed by lack of whatever that might've, they may have said, but even if they came out and blew you away with certain things that they might've said, it's like, well, okay, that's great. But what are you going to actually do now? So that's kind of my mindset because it's like, it's great when everybody has a, has a comment or I should say a, a message, but after a while, it's like everybody has a message and everybody's almost, you know, it's like, if you don't say anything, you you are ridiculed or whatever, but at the same time, it's like words can be hollow. It's like it's going to come down to what they actually do. All Absolutely, yeah. Which Elaine, a first great no, you're fine. I was just going to say to Will's point, a first great step would be, hey, here's a list of language that is not allowed on the ice, that is not allowed against any player. Perfect. Yeah, that like that would be an example of them taking action. But yeah, and the NHL is certainly not the only entity that's guilty of and you know, when it come down to a business, a profitable, you know, they're making money off of these athletes, but what are they doing to protect them and what are they doing to um keep make sure that they don't feel threatened or you know, um disrespected and on such a human level it's not even like they're chirping you know if they're having a bad game or whatever it's like wow you know the second that we step into anything outside of that especially when it comes down to the color of someone's skin especially in a league of sports where it you know it is primarily white in such a way that um, a lot of other sports are definitely more diverse so I also you know I would like to see and I hope more players feel comfortable coming to the right journalist about telling their stories. Um, And I want to see more journalists looking for the stories of players who are doing inclusive things, who are 
doing and players and teams that are doing things that really matter so that we can highlight that there is a change happening from all spectrums, from like women to race, to like not being homophobic, all of that, all of that, like everything, everything. And, you know, hockey does say hockey is for everyone, but it feels like the least, <laughs> it feels like it's not for like really anyone <laughs> sometimes. Well, and so here's my, like in the last, not even the scope of the last couple weeks, but of the last month, like I just felt the NHL just had this perfectly teed up to address when Akeem Alou, he had a beautiful piece that he wrote about his personal experience. Also, he is um, spearheading this uh, hockey diversity alliance, which is cool that he's, you know, continuing with his activism within the league as a, you know, player of color. Um, they, the NHL had the perfect opportunity to kind of grab that and be like, okay, here, you know, here is someone calling for change. Here is someone who is bearing his soul, showing, you know, the, the hate that he's, ta- the racism. I mean, you know, that he, not even microaggressions, these were macroaggressions against him, um, as a player. And then, uh, and then a couple weeks later, this boils over kind of on like the larger general, not just little NHL microcosm, but just the world overall. And I still felt like the NHL had a really lukewarm approach. Um, and a lot of the teams took a really, you know, again, like you said, well, just hollow words, but I think any statement that includes the word but like they you know all you know we we stand we absolutely agree that you know racism is intolerable but there were a couple instances of those and I want to write something about this and I just haven't really had the time to materialize all my thoughts onto paper but that's that's the crux of it is that if they're going to throw rainbow tape on some sticks during warm-up and you know, like, I just feel like their their actions have been at the bare minimum end of the spectrum and not at the here is what we are doing and here is how you can hold us accountable over the next several months and make sure we're doing it. And that's what I want to see from a league that I love dearly, you know, but clearly there are some problems within it that need to be addressed. Yeah. And I think that a lot of journalists don't, highlight those things either and I I'm saying this also knowing that like I I'm I was blind to some things and I didn't see some things and I I wish I did sooner so that I could you know kind of broach them and write about it in a way that was more um not inflammatory but just like stating the facts you know And there's just too many, there are too many media members and journalists who are just kind of staying out of it or they're putting themselves into it and they're not being a speaker for other writers, for like people of color. They're not allowing black voices to be, um, they're not allowing them to have that speaker moment. So many journalists are coming now and they're like oh now is a good time to start writing about it but they're not saying you know ice hockey stick i she has a her name is josh vina and she has a podcast called stick to sports and it's just a safe space for people 
for any minority group to come and talk about whatever, mostly sports, and they could be uplifting her voice from all the work that she's done, and same thing with black girl hockey, and they could be giving them a speaker, they could be giving them a megaphone, they could be using their platform to help raise their voice, but instead they're rewriting every, they're, they're writing exactly what they've already written, and so it's equally as frustrating to me. Because then it's basically doing the same thing, but you don't even, people don't even realize what they're doing, what they're doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause it's just so ingrained and it's so normalized. And I think that a lot of what's going on right now is people realizing not only with, um, everything that's happening right now with, you know, racial justice in America, but with the coronavirus as well is like, we are never, it is time to abandon the feeling that you might have that everything's going to go back to normal. Like, cause it's just simply not. So now's a great time to ask yourself, what is this new normal going to look like and how can I make it better? And yeah, Elaine, so much of that is amplifying voices that have been otherwise unheard, especially in areas that are, you know, predominantly white. So it's been really interesting to compare what's going on in the NHL versus the NFL and the NBA and other leagues where, you know, Black Lives Matter has kind of been a topic of conversation for longer just due to the demographics um, and, you know, to protests that had already been taking place within those leagues. So I've just been like, fascinated um by how everything's been transpiring i will say i wasn't completely shocked about the way the nhl handled things because the nhl is really good at pr Mm -hmm. (laughs) totally really good right and that's a good thing because it means you're good at your job (laughs) but it's also kind of like a bad thing because there are things that are wrong within the league and it seems as though people are afraid to talk about the things that are wrong with the league um, from even yep. just from concussions to sexism to racism to, you know, or even just mental health. Like, Oh my goodness, mm-hmm. you bring up mental health and people shut down. And it's, it's crazy to think that when you start talking about it and say like the NBA is starting to talk more about certain things and the NFL starts to talk more about, head injuries and and all of that and it's part of their daily conversations and seasonal conversations and and the NHL will be like we touched on it and we're mm-hmm. done. I was really impressed. I agree with that Elaine for sure. And so a couple got I don't time is a flat circle. I don't remember when anything happened, but it definitely was in the last 2 months that the NHL handled the players on the Capitals who's um uh, Instagram DMs came out that were like incredibly sexist and it just yes. they were they immediately put out a statement and said we absolutely condemn all of the language that was used it was obviously so wildly inappropriate and not in line I'm paraphrasing this isn't exactly what they said but um you know, is not in line with our values, whatever, and the players will be swiftly dealt with. And then they did and they released them. And I was like that's awesome. Like that is the type of energy I need them to bring to every issue of, you know, whether it's racism or sexism or ageism or, you know, whatever other disparities are occurring in the league. I thought that was an amazing example. And it's something that they haven't necessarily like handled, uh, you know, perfectly in the past before. And 
Um, Elaine, I know that you, I'm sure you feel very similarly to me. It's kind of weird working in the NHL as a woman. I definitely feel, um, I feel that I don't feel like I'm, I look around and see versions of myself everywhere. I look around and I see men. And so to see the NHL handle that situation the way that they did, like gave me hope. So I want them to take that momentum and continue to apply it to these other issues that are going to just keep bubbling to the surface. Yeah, I will say I was started with the Monsters. I was impressed by the amount of women that are involved on a daily basis with both the Cavs and the Monsters. From a journalist standpoint, for the longest time, it was just me and someone else. <laughs> so the... The press room, the press, you know, press scrum was usually just me and this other guy, Jeff. And then it was like me, Jeff, and then another person. So it wasn't to the extent of coverage that it is in the NHL. Um, I went to other teams. I did see a lot more. I saw a lot more women as well. But when I went up to a few NHL events, you really see the difference. It is completely different in the amount of men that are there to women yeah, I mean, I feel the same way when I'm, like, still scrambling to, like, I'm always scrambling to get my together to leave the conference room before Torts gets in there. But, I like, when I am in there and, like, when all the journalists are streaming in, it's, like, two women. And then, yeah, and it's not to say that, you know, it's not to say that these men aren't fabulous at their jobs. It's just I would love to, you know, have that that female presence. Yeah. So it's not that women aren't interested in holding those jobs. It's just that like, who are we, who is, who are we giving them to, you know? So the hockey diversity Alliance is such an amazing step in the right direction. And I just wish nothing but the best for it. And I um, really hope that I don't know if you guys read their full statement, but they were like, we are not officially part of the NHL, but we hope to work in tandem with the NHL to improve some of these um, issues that players are seeing and feeling. So I really, I think today, I, I hope I look back on this day in uh, several years or even several months and think, wow, this was like the, the beginning of a new direction that the league needed to take. And these players are the ones who took initiative to make it happen, which is awesome. Yeah, when you think about it too, remember all the stuff that came out when Mike Babcock got fired, Bill Peters, I mean, it was just stuff, like you mentioned kind of already, um, you know, certain players that uh, spoke out. But I mean, yeah, as you said, the NHL's had these problems for a while. So it's cool to see an initiative that hopefully can help spur change. Obviously, lots of heavy topics, and we could definitely spend a lot of time talking about this stuff. But that will do it for us this week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go check it out. Check her out at AngelaPerley.com, and you should also check out Angela Pearlie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during the stay-at-home period. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCannon and comment on JacketsCannon.com from all of us at the Cannon. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. Yeah.